0: I'm Heidi Harris. This is the Heidi Harris Show podcast. I do these a couple of times a week. In addition to a live show, I do weekday mornings, nine to noon on KMZQ. That's AM 670 in Las Vegas. You can catch my show live. You can listen anywhere. Uh, HeidiHarris.com has a link or other places. You can also catch my podcast anywhere you get podcasts. And don't forget to check out HeidiHarris.com for other things like my books, which you can purchase there, blog posts, and sign up for my free newsletter. Every Monday, I am pleased to welcome Dr. Kelly Victory to the Heidi Harris Show with facts, not fear. That's her hashtag when it comes to the COVID situation. And flip-flop Fauci, as she calls him, has changed yet again and now admits he's not really sure where the COVID came from. We also talked with Dr. Kelly Victory about the idea of people having long-term immunity. What's the difference between T-cells and antibodies? That was part of my conversation with Dr. Kelly Victory, hope you enjoy it dr kelly victory thanks for being here every monday i look forward to this
1: hey happy monday heidi always happy to be here
0: happy to start every monday with a flip-flop from fauci
1: (laughs) he is he's the gift that keeps on giving um (laughs) there's no question i have never really uh witnessed someone who is supposedly an expert be so wrong so many times for such a long period of time. It really is remarkable. You'd have to really work at it, I think, to be as wrong as he has been. But he's always sure, and that's the good thing. He's always very confident, uh, quite condescending.
0: He's full of uh, a lot of hubris. And ends up being wrong every single time. It's amazing. We're sitting with Dr. Kelly Victory. Facts Not Fear is uh, which, her hashtag, which I love. He's now admitting he's not convinced that COVID 19 developed naturally, which a lot of people have said from day one. I don't know the truth. Uh, do you have an opinion on that, Dr. Victory? I have a very strong opinion. And to be very clear and very honest, in the first days and
1: weeks, probably for about the first 16 days of the pandemic, so up until about the 10th of February, Uh, of last year of 2020. I was also convinced that the virus was naturally occurring and may have in fact come from that wet market in Wuhan. I've spent a lot of time in China and a lot of time in those wet markets and they're quite disgusting. And so I found it absolutely plausible uh, in the early days that the virus may have come from there. Um, By about the middle of February, anybody with a lick of sense who had access To the scientific data about the virus, meaning specifically the genomic information, what we knew about uh, the, the microbiology of the virus, it was very, very clear that this was not, in fact, naturally occurring. And I corrected my stance on it and said, no, now that we see actually the genome here, it's clear that this was manipulated in a laboratory. This is not a naturally occurring virus. Unfortunately people like Fauci not only claimed that it was naturally occurring, but they labeled any of us who said otherwise as conspiracy theorists. We were quacks, QAnon followers, I mean, all sorts of awful things. We were to be derided and, and excoriated and, frankly, canceled, and I had every single thing I posted taken down. So it wasn't simply that Anthony Fauci said, no way, no how, we know better, this is naturally occurring. And he said that and doubled down on it for months and months and months, frankly, until this past weekend when he finally, after over a year of maintaining that this was a naturally occurring uh, virus that didn't leak out of a lab and wasn't manipulated in a lab, now all of a sudden he's saying, "Yeah, I'm not quite sure and I think we should investigate it.
0: Yeah, it's stunning. We're speaking with Dr. Kelly Victory. Uh, A texter asked this morning about the uh, antibody testing. I know when I was going to go get it a while back, my insurance company said, eh, we're not real sure about that. This is a while back, almost a year ago. But my insurance company didn't really, they said they wouldn't pay for it because they didn't know how accurate it was. What do you think about that, Dr. Victory?
1: Well, I think, first of all, people need to understand there are two ways really to look to see, to test your blood, to see if you have immunity to COVID. One is the antibody test, okay, to see if you still have active antibodies running around your bloodstream. And that test isn't 100% accurate for sure, but it's pretty darn good. Okay, The issue is that antibodies do tail off over time. And someone like yourself, who had COVID now quite a while ago, you likely don't have a high level of circulating antibodies anymore, despite the fact that you are absolutely immune to COVID. So the test that you would want to look at is the T-cell test to see if your T-cells still show evidence of immunity. And that test is called T-detect. And people can actually go online to t-detect.com and order it. And as long as you you can actually order the test, have your uh, doctor sign off on it, and you just take the slip and go to a lab, and you can have your blood drawn to see if you have T cell immunity. Okay. Neither of them are a hundred percent. If they're positive, you can count on them. If yours positive, it, you know there are no false positives with that. What you don't know is sometimes it'll come back negative when in fact you actually do have immunity.
0: we're speaking with dr kelly victory so talk to me about the difference between the antibodies and whether or not as you said they trail off but i have immunity i would imagine going forward i mean it's not because i'm a doctor and i know obviously nothing about looks like you do but just because it makes sense that once you've seen something and fought it off that your body at least will recognize it to a certain extent right so even if you were to be exposed to it again the chances of you getting very sick from it are probably slim correct
1: Exactly. What happens? You the first line of defense. You know when you you, you mount the antibodies, your your body learns to make that make the antibodies. This sort of you know uh, it's the army of warriors that go off and kill off the um, you know whatever the offending agent is. But then they aren't needed any more, longer once you've gotten over the virus. Those antibodies don't need to be circulating right. around, so your body you know gets rid of them. But you are left with cell immunity or what we call humoral immunity which is your immune system's memory if you will of having seen that virus or bacteria in the past so if it sees it again it very quickly says oh i know you we've seen this before and it very very quickly much more quickly than the first time around it would develop antibodies again or just fight off the virus without it ever taking hold So the chance that you would ever get COVID-19 again is essentially zero, Heidi. And we know this because the people who had COVID-1, the the, the SARS-CoV-1, this is now SARS-CoV-2, the SARS-CoV-1 that happened back in 2004, those people who got that very similar coronavirus, very similar to COVID-19, the people who got that in 2004 and recovered still to this day have positive T cell immunity to that 17 years later. so We have every reason to believe that immunity from COVID-19 likely will last for decades.
0: That's interesting. We're speaking with Dr. Kelly Victory, hashtag facts, not fear. You can follow her on Twitter at Dr. Kelly Victory. So now there's a, a, the Children's Health Defense, believe it or not, is warning about uh, children and kids getting this vaccine and that it's potentially a ticking. Wait, let me let me ask you the children's first thing. Second, I want to ask you something else though about the T cells. Let me ask you about the T cells, because I've heard that this cytokine storm you and I've talked about in the past is something that's worse for people who've already had COVID. If they then get a vaccine, that that's a potential for disaster. Correct. That's correct. And and honestly, in fact, not only do people who have had
1: COVID-19 not need to be vaccinated, but I think there's a significant risk when they do get vaccinated, because you're vaccinating them, you're all of a sudden telling somebody who's already immune, you're giving them the code to start cranking out those COVID-19 spike proteins, and your body's already ready. As I said, those Mm. T cells are there and saying, hey, we've seen this before there's a significant risk that you can set off that cytokine storm, that overreaction of your immune system, where your immune system all of a sudden sees those spike proteins again and says, whoa, bam, we're gonna take out the nuclear warfare here and we're gonna blast this thing. And so unlike somebody who's never had COVID before, those of us who haven't recovered and have immunity if we get vaccinated, we could have a very bad response. And there's no question that the people who seem to have a worse reaction to the vaccines, meaning fever, chills, body aches, those sorts of things, is the people who already had COVID because their bodies, you know, really react quickly. And a certain percentage of those people, I guarantee you, will have that overreaction, that cytokine storm, and develop some either uh, you know, fluid into their lungs, heart attacks, strokes, blood
0: clots, all of those things. Wow. We're speaking with Dr. Kelly Victory. Take a quick break. I want to come back and talk about the kids. The CDC is investigating heart issues with some people on this vaccine. We'll talk about that. And also, uh, they you know, looking at uh, the, the Children's Health Defense's warning about uh, the vaccine being a ticking time bomb for children. We'll ask Dr. Kelly Victory about that. Coming up next, I'm Heidi Harris. Doctor, the CDC is now investigating cases of myocarditis in teenagers who've had the vaccine. But not many cases. Nothing we should worry about, right?
1: Well, first of all, uh, any cases are too many when you're talking about vaccinating a group of people, Heidi, who have essentially zero risk from the virus. Why would you subject them to any risk from a vaccine when they have zero risk from the virus itself? Right. These vaccines are experimental. They have not been adequately tested on anyone, least of all children. So we have essentially no idea what the potential long-term impact could be because these vaccines didn't exist 12 months ago. So we have very limited data certainly don't know the impact neurologically on the fertility um, of these kids, on
0: potential autoimmune diseases, and a whole host of
1: other problems.
0: Well, that's that's an issue, too. With with the kids, like you said, they're they're basically being used as lab rats at this point. But how many kids possibly had covid or were exposed to covid and didn't get sick? Like you mentioned, they almost never do. And so they potentially could be given a vaccine already having had covid and had virtually no symptoms like some kids I know had a little sniffle here, whatever. And yet you're so that you're looking at the cytokine storm again.
1: Exactly. You're looking at that as a possibility. The bottom line is there's too many unknowns here. I am very, very pro-vaccine. But what I mean is for vaccines, that it's the three-legged stool. You need to know safety, efficacy, and necessity. And all of those with children, when it comes to necessity, why would you vaccinate someone for something from which they have zero risk? Furthermore, we simply do not have a good safety profile on these vaccines because they haven't been around long enough. It's one thing to talk about vaccinating your kids for chickenpox, where they have a huge risk of contracting and becoming quite ill, and they then have a lifelong risk of having uh, shingles afterwards. Mm -hmm. So of course you want to vaccinate them for that. Vaccinating them for polio, something that they have a huge risk of. Let's talk about things like meningitis you know, where kids between the ages of 12 and 17 are at huge risk for meningitis, which has a 20% mortality rate, Wow. okay? Mm -hmm. Now, then you talk about something like COVID for which people under the age of 50 have a 0.003% risk of having a bad outcome. So you just, in my mind, cannot justify giving these vaccines to children, and you sure as heck can't justify it when they haven't been adequately tested,
0: which will take at least four to five more years. Unbelievable. Dr. Kelly Victory, she provides hashtag facts, not fear. I saw that an economics professor in Canada has concluded using a cost benefit analysis to calculate the COVID restrictions versus, uh, you know, the loss of employment, loss of education, increased mental health problems, you know, other things like that, that the, the restrictions cost 282 times the loss of years of life that it saved.
1: Exactly. And you really need to think about that, Heidi, what that says about this response. It has been such an unmitigated disaster. This was completely predictable. We knew from the beginning that the lockdowns, school closures, closures of businesses, mandates on social distancing, that all of those things would cause damage by an order of magnitude more than the virus would have. The CEOs of the Mayo Clinic and the Cleveland Clinic, two premier medical institutions in this country, wrote about it in June of last year. They predicted that the death toll from things other than COVID as a result of the lockdown would far exceed deaths from COVID themselves, and that's COVID itself. And that's exactly what we have seen, that people who didn't get treatment for heart disease, lung disease, missed cancer screenings. Uh, missed routine appointments for diabetes and congestive heart failure. Those people have suffered and have gone on to die from lack of treatment. When the number of people who actually would have succumbed to COVID was relatively
0: small compared to that. Unbelievable. we we'll see seeing Dr. Kelly Victory. Facts, not fears, what she provides every Monday on Medical Mondays. You can follow her at Dr. Kelly Victory at uh, on Twitter, of course. You know, it's been interesting now that the masks are pretty much coming off here in Nevada. You don't have to wear them most places. I'm stunned at how many people are still wearing them. I don't make fun of them. I don't make any kind of comment or anything like that. But I'm amazed at how many people are still wearing them. When you think about the craziness that went on with the masks, you know, you're on a plane and you have to wear a mask until you're eating or drinking. I mean, come on. You know, as a doctor, you don't take off your mask in the emergency room or in the operating room to have a little sip. The doctor doesn't take that off when he or she is doing surgery. I mean, this is it's been ludicrous from the start. It is. It's is, it's absolutely laughable. It is
1: theater and nothing more than that. Um, you're quite right. The idea of putting a mask on so you can see, you know, or standing six feet apart in the line to get on the plane and then sitting three inches apart from people during the two and a half hour flight. And then acting like we're going to stand six feet apart when we deplane, <laughs> take the mask on, put it, put it off. You know, these sorts of things. All that does, by the way is cause you to touch your face over and over and over again, which is the single worst thing you can do when you're trying to keep from spreading a respiratory virus is to keep touching your nose, your eyes, uh, and your mouth. So uh, taking the mask on and off, this is theater and people should be really tired of it. Uh, Know now that it's time to stop all of this, we've known it for many, many months. And finally the CDC has gotten behind it said, take the masks off stop the social distancing, open up schools, open up bars and restaurants, and stop all of this silliness.
0: Well, I'm way past wanting that. That's for sure. Dr. Kelly Victory, thank you. Every Monday she joins us. Dr. Kelly Victory, I'll post this on the podcast today, Heidi Hair Show podcast. So check it out in case you missed any of what she had to say, because every moment is golden. Dr. Kelly Victory, thanks so much. Talk to you next week. Have a fabulous week, Heidi. See you next Monday. Yeah, that's always great having her. Every Monday she joins me, and I usually put our conversation up on the Heidi Harris Show podcast, so check it out. She joins me every Monday at 9.40 a.m. Pacific, and also at 11.10, we rerun the conversation because many people can't listen to it early. So we are here for you. Check out the Heidi Harris Show, 9 a.m. to noon on AM 670, KMZQ Weekdays. Check out HeidiHarris.com to listen live to the station anytime or to check out my blog posts, and you can buy my books up there and all that stuff. Until we meet again, remember... You were created for a purpose. Here's Tony Scott.